Welcome. This is Phil and Jen, and we are in season two. We did it. And this is so fun. It's been actually been a minute for us since we've recorded, and we are excited to be doing this. Took a minute to figure out how to plug all this back in. So this is episode one, and season two is called Setting the Bible Free. And this episode is called What Is It? (laughs) And we are going to be talking about why, why even have this discussion, really? What is the Bible? Why are we talking about it? <laughs> this, you know, however many thousands of year old book. Why are we? Why are we spending time here? It's the thing. I mean, as a as a pastor, one of my primary jobs was to teach the Bible on at church on Sundays, and I always talk from it, not necessarily about it. Oh yeah, which is really interesting. It's like a different posture, and you know, it's the most influential book in human history, right? Yeah. But what's interesting about it is that it's the most purchased book in in human history, and it's actually the least read book we read somewhere recently, which I think is fascinating. I've heard multiple people say that, and I've read it, but I can't find a place to fact check this. But we're going to just definitively say most purchased, least read. least read. And honestly, I mean, that's been our experience in leading a church and a spiritual community for years. I mean, this is something... Even for Christians and in a like a church community that we've experienced, I think most people don't actually read the thing. We talk about it a lot. We reference it. We're going to get into that. I'm jumping in. Yeah, ahead. I almost jumped in. I stopped myself. <laughs> <laughs> I got so, excited. I'm excited. But what do we have going on? Let's talk about that first. This season's going to be unique. So in the first season, we put out eight episodes and we had a whole like body of um work the whole thing and then we did a and, and are still doing uh like an experience off of that that we called um how to reimagine your life and that was super fun this time uh we're mixing it up and so we're gonna put this out one week at a time over the next five weeks and simultaneously we're doing a workshop experience in costa mesa um called uh, how to set the Bible free that goes along with this uh, podcast that we're doing. And uh, each week we'll kind of track with what we're talking about on um, the podcast in what we're doing. And so it's it's like a four-week workshop. It's going to be in the evenings at Pit Fire Pizza um, every Thursday in night Mesa. in Costa Mesa from 7 to 9. And it's going to be some teaching and it's going to be a whole lot of discussion. Um, and the it's, it's not so much a series of sermons at all, it's it's actually a very interactive how to um, set the thing free, how to look at it, how to hold it, how to um, wrestle with it, understand what it is, and, and even find like fresh life in it is the idea behind it. Yeah. And so we will talk about these different topics week by week. And then the idea is we would love for you to join us that same week on Thursday night after it's released and we're going to go deeper and it's going to be about half um teaching and then half just really interactive q a discussion and i think it's gonna be really valuable i'm excited yeah and you can find all that info at our website philandjenwood.com for uh where it's at and how to jump in yep and we've had people asking us if they you know they missed the reimagining experience and can i still jump in somewhere and if you are in Orange County or San Diego area, there's going to be one in Oceanside, October 9th. And then we're doing one up north in Santa Cruz, actually technically Capitola, which is right next door to Santa Cruz on October 6th, 16th, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Weekend so, after. Yeah. You can jump into either of those. Love to have you there. All right. 
now season two baby for season two episode one so the bible yeah what and i'm just gonna kind of preface this as phil is more of the bible scholar between the two of us and so while we're gonna have a discussion i feel like i am going to be more just asking him questions and leaning on him more in this conversation i would say for the most part because he's put hours and hours and hours and years of just time studying the thing through not only obviously through seminary and his degree um but just week after week doing sermons and doing uh just study so yeah i'm excited to i would qualify that one further that i'm not a bible scholar but I consider you one. So that's all that matters to me. Uh, but you're the person I go to. And I think I've watched, you know, people over the years go to you about this stuff. And I just love what you have to say. So, no, you're not the know all on the topic, but no. I'm excited to just have a conversation around this. So it is it's it's a thing to go to school for so many years, like studying to be a pastor and a lot of it's studying the Bible, how to study the Bible, how to hold it, how to read it, how to teach it, how to like pastor and lead people and learn to like sit with people and like recognize like kind of the subtle movement of God in their life and in a community. And then to spend, you know, two decades, week in and week out, opening up this, this book and launching out from it, teaching it, leading people through it, shaping a community around it. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's a really fascinating book. Well, you know what I think is interesting about it too, is that I think like, the schooling around it is super helpful when it comes to like learning how to study it and like context and history and all that good stuff. But then there's this thing about pastoring where I actually don't think they prepare you very well for, <laughs> which is like the day in, day out of like, how does this thing get embodied in our lives? Um, like you're taking these messages and these, these like, you know, the scriptures and these letters and these stories and these poems and, and then actually walking with people in their actual lives now yeah, <laughs> and helping people figure out what that means for them. And so that's what we want to talk about. Like, and and I think there's a deeper thing right now that we wanted to kind of address, which is this thing that we're feeling and sensing that's going on, kind of that's in the air right now, um, where, you know, the Bible has been this source of liberation. It's been this source of hope. It's been this source of freedom for so many. And at the same time, We've also seen it so misused and so abused and people so wounded um, from, you know, the way that it's been like used. And so we want to, we want to get into like, why, why are we still talking about this thing? Like, do we just throw it out because of that? What do we do with it? And I think that that's what a lot of people are doing is they're either kind of going it's still working for them the way that they were taught to read it, the way that they were taught to engage with it. It's working for them. And then for other people, they're like, Hey, this thing has been so abused, so misused and I'm over it and I'm done with it. And we've talked to so many people in that space. And so we kind of want to talk about both things. Love it. Um, yeah, it's, it's again, it's funny to talk about the thing <laughs> when I spent so much time yeah. 
going open up to chapter whatever and like let's start there now let's talk about life based on this thing but to like almost take a step back and look at the thing yeah is um it's yeah it's, it's a fascinating experience what is it what is it what is the bible and also before we get started i think we're going to get into more practical like how do you then engage us but this is kind of an intro this week so well yeah that's good so yeah the the idea in the whole flow of it is to have a conversation around what it is but then also historically how did it come together also how has it evolved and changed and how the the way that we hold it how, how has that evolved and changed over thousands of years and then like what's going on now that's causing so much angst and then even then okay well how do we get past a lot of that in a way to mm. embrace it in a fresh way that actually breathes life. So that's kind of the flow of the whole. But yeah. when it comes to the thing itself, um, it's not actually a book. It's <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a, it's like a, it's more like a library of books. Mm. It's yep. in, what do you mean by that? So it's 66 different books and it's written by at least 40 authors, 35 are named. Um, there's lots of anonymous. Um, and of course, some of the books are uh, like have multiple authors. There's different scholarly theories on perhaps multiple authors and editors in some of the books. But that's why you would say like at least 40 authors. And it was written over a very, very long time. Uh, it started out just as like oral stories that were probably told around fires, honestly. Um, that were carried on for generations and sort of all kinds of poetry and story and narrative uh, and theology that was developing that, that that existed long before it was written down. The first writings were around uh, 1500 BCE. Um, and then there was kind of a, a block of 450 years that there was no writing and then the whole new testament in the Which, first century hold on can we pause there for a second that's a really long time yeah when you told me that the first time i remember thinking like imagine if that was you know that's, yeah. that's wild well just imagine a thousand years of slow collected mm. like a movement from stories and oral traditions that are passed on and told to being recorded and then re-recorded and then reflected upon and then a reflection of history and a reflection of what we sense God doing here and what we sense God doing there and how we understand our history and how that now provides a redemptive way forward and how we sense God in the midst of that. And it's like, it took a thousand years for that to, to breathe slowly and grow into a body of, of books and yeah. letters and like, 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 and even when we say books, like they didn't have books back then. So it was like yeah. collected in all sorts of different ways and scattered. I mean, there's no capacity to carry all of that around in one written form. Sorry, I totally interrupted you though. So 450 years, nothing then. Yeah, so then 450 years, there there were no writings. And then the entire, what we call the New Testament, um, story about Jesus and what happened with his followers after. That was written all in that first century. So like 100 years Um and so, uh, which that's wild because that's like super condensed. Yeah, yeah, comparatively, you know, comparatively. And and so roughly, it was written over like fifteen hundred to sixteen hundred years. That started like thirty five hundred years ago and ended around two thousand years ago, which is an old book. Right. When you say that, it's just like <laughs> it is really wild that we still are talking about this thing. 
one, it's it's super like it's transcended time diverse. somehow. You know, think about how old our country is. <laughs> right. It's very young. Right. It's very very young. And like when you read the founding documents, you're like, these are old, but they're not. Mm. They're brand new on the scene of the world. Like yeah. our whole country is an experiment. It's mm. like a like we're still in like, is this a thing? Like right. if you look at it in a historical sense. Totally. I mean, when you go to Europe, I think you're reminded of that because you see like even just the buildings compared to ours. You're like, oh, yeah, we're just little baby. We're like a little baby <laughs> country we were in compared Europe to some of these. One of those bus tours in London and the... The guy who was doing the tour, like on the double decker bus, was like, "And this bridge is older than some people's countries." And he looked at us, <laughs> like, "Okay, heads we get, down, we get it." Like, how do you know? You're still bitter that you lost that war, but I think we were wearing, like, I think they giveaways if you're wearing running shoes, right? Wasn't that the thing? That cost <laughs> They're us like back Americans. Then, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's like a, it's old, but it was also written when it was still being written. When some of the literature was being written that they didn't even know was scripture, the scriptures that they had were ancient already. Explain, explain that. What do you mean? Like somebody's writing, but it's a letter to somebody else. And they didn't you mean? know that they were writing scripture. They weren't like, mm. and this is part seven of the New Testament. It just right. it didn't work like that. Right. It was a movement of God that was being birthed in real time and being captured through real people having real experiences in real life and it it took on an entirely beautiful like divine kind of god life that people recognized in it i mean it's what what happened and so i mean if even within it so uh i would say there's at least eight types of genre and types of literature within the bible within these 66 books um narrative history poetry wisdom prophecy gospels are like the stories of jesus um the epistles or the letters that are written in the bible from one person to a, a typically a community or, or sometimes an individual um, there's apocalyptic literature which is a super unique um, specific genre of literature within the old testament and the new testament um, that has a whole like world to it that existed it was like when you go to a bookstore and you say, oh, look at these different genres of like, there, there was a genre of apocalyptic literature. And when you were writing in an apocalyptic genre, that's what you did. You wrote in that sense. Um, I mean, in, in what's like fascinating is um, it's almost like a newspaper where when you open a newspaper, you recognize that there's different sections to it. I mean, granted, we don't have newspapers anymore. <laughs> what's I was gonna say? What's a newspaper? <laughs> Interesting. What would be a better analogy that's not a newspaper? Um, I would say when you open your news app, but... <laughs> How about Time Magazine or something, like a magazine? No, I mean, a, a newspaper would be the just closest go with the news. analogy. Everyone knows what a newspaper is. I was just kidding. Only because... Except for our kids. <laughs> it has so many different sections, and the different sections, you, you, you read them differently. Like, you read the sports section different than the front page different than the obituaries different than like the finance section different than the, the comics like it's it, there's a bunch of different like sections within a newspaper it's 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 kind of the same way and you have to read them uh differently and so uh there's like an understanding of history and context and story and intent and purpose of genre and like all that matters is it informs what it is it's not like a there's kind of a there's like a way that I think I was raised mm. um, th 
through church, looking at the Bible as it's this holy book that like almost just like dropped from the sky from the hand of God. Right. And you open it and it's just, you could almost just like rush and roulette that thing. Just, oh yeah. Just no, they, we were it, told to at one point. I and you're that. like, well, God says that. Yep. And, but some of the things you'd read, you'd be like, whoa, God, well, that's um, super weird. That's inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of it. And so, um, What's interesting is that 43% of the Bible is some form of narrative, just story. Uh, 33% is poetry. So a full third of the Bible is poetry. Right, does this, which, by the way, when you're reading poetry, you read it with a whole different lens. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and same with narrative. Like, you're not reading it for, like, your instruction manual for life. Right. Not, you know I mean? Poetry is not. Yeah. No. And, and 24%, a quarter of the Bible, is some form of prose. Um, which is, compl- again, completely different how you read it. Which, I, which I mean, it's it's a fascinating book. I mean, it's essentially like an ancient library is mm-hmm. what the Bible is, of books that contain essentially like an ongoing historical revelation of God and God's activity in the world, the way that, that people sensed it. It's like a, it's like a giant kind of interconnected narrative over a very long period of time of like redemptive history of how God's revealing God's self to humanity in the world. Yeah. That's how I would describe it. I'm smiling right now because I want to jump ahead so badly and be like, well, if it didn't just drop from the bio, like the sky, then what does that mean? And is it even from God? And how do we, you know, but we're going to get there. All of the questions. I'll hold back on that stuff. But we are going to get into that in the next four weeks and then further in the workshop, which I'm, which I'm really excited about. So why now? I mean, okay. So if that's what it is, we'll just leave that there. We have, I have all kinds of questions about that, but why now? Like, why are we talking about this right now? Cause the Bible has been around, you know, why? <laughs> it's definitely been around. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do I mean? Why are we, why does the Bible need to be set free? Ooh, (laughs) come on now. That's a real question. Because we're calling this setting the Bible free. So what does it need to be set free from? Man, there's something in the air. Hmm. And it has been for a long time. Um, I think people have been poking around some of that for 120 years. You can read um, critics asking these kinds of questions, poking around, wrestling. Um, almost with like a, like a modern birth of literary criticism being applied to scripture and how that had never happened before and opened up this whole thing and then all kinds of divisions and the birth of like fundamentalism and liberalism, all, all the arguments within like, what is it and how do we hold it and how do we defend it? And is it, is it this or is it that? Or how's the authority of it? And there's all kinds of like a deep wrestle that's happened for a long time. But I think where we are now, um, I think what I've sensed in myself over years and what I've sensed in lots of other people, mm-hmm. specifically not, not just sensed but heard, right? but also sensed on a much larger level and scale. I mean, some of those statistics we talked about in the first season of for a lot of people, it isn't working for them anymore. They're not wanting to participate in it anymore is that the way, like the thing that I was handed, the thing that a lot of us were handed, it doesn't like, it doesn't work that way anymore. Or did ever. 
it it felt like it worked then, mm. <laughs> but yeah. um, I mean, what's fascinating with the scripture is that it's this library of books that contains the most profound narrative in life in the world like God revealing God's self as a God of self-giving love for the healing of the world, willing to pour God's self. It's like a story of grace and inclusion and transformation and from death comes to life. It's like, it's like a, it's incredible. It's this like catapult of how do you embody that life for the world? But like at the same time, the scripture can be used and manipulated in, very destructive ways yeah okay speak into that so like what are some of the ways that we've seen it historically and just more recently misused abused because i mean i think a lot of people are feeling that and like really frustrated with it to be quite honest i mean at least when we say a lot of people i think we're we're also in this we've we walked in this space for 20 years we're pastorally people would come to us and like talk to us about these things with their own personal lives. And that was like a privilege to have people kind of open up their interior thought life and interior like questions and doubts. And, and so this is something we've heard countless times. Yeah. I mean, for years and years and years, but like even beyond that, like culturally, like, well, I, I just know there's, there's the so many people that have said, Whatever that was doesn't work for me anymore, but I don't have anything else in terms of how to look at it or hold it or see it. And so I'm just going to take some space from it. It's like a breakup. Mm -hmm. yeah. like, like we're going to have a separation and some people decided to go ahead and finalize the divorce and other people are still in that holding pattern of, uh, are we going to get back together again? Are you going to show me that you've changed? Mm. Are you different? Prove and, it to me. Yeah. And I think um, there's a lot of history behind it, which I want to get into in the next weeks to come. Yeah. But, but something has happened even in the last few hundred years really um that is like a shift in how we as a people who hold the scripture to be dear and true and alive um however you would define yourself have like come to hold it and 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 see it and i think that um what you find is that it's almost like this thing where people would say the scripture is the ultimate authority for life. And yet it's almost in a sense that like you can project or interpret or read it and grab a hold of it and like almost use like this thing as the authority to bolster whatever. It's, it's, it's almost like a blank projector screen where you can just project up onto it what you want it to like give you authority for. Mm. And, and so, like, you look back. Oh, yeah. Um, people that that ran, like, the, the great inquisitions and burned people alive at the stake mm -hmm. used the Bible as a justification for it in a defense of power. Yeah. But they didn't think they were defending power. They really thought they were defending God. But really, they're defending their institution and their power and those that would challenge that power. Or you look at, like, um, in, like, I mean the history of uh, racism 
in the church and, and the battles that existed with slavery in the United States and trying to maintain a, a nation of slavery and trying to eradicate that idea of slavery, both sides to use the Bible yeah. to defend Wild. their position and to fight for where they were at. And then like even during the, um, the Civil War, both sides used the Bible as their defense of what they were doing. Or if you look at like... Um, like back in the time of the Reformation, even the reformers that were trying to move away from um, an incredible abuse of power from the institution and that like the Pope is the authority. So let's move to just the scriptures authority. But even some of the great reformers were burning other people alive at the stake yeah. for disagreeing with their interpretations of like only the scripture is the authority. Like even now, like I, I just read globally, there's 45,000 Christian denominations that exist in the world because everyone's arguing, fighting, splitting, just like like my understanding, my sense of power. It's like a constant, endless mm. division. I mean, if even if you look at in our modern day, um, the I would say from the exclusion to the oppression of women, there's a scale there of how that's been done. It's like, well, just the, the Bible says it. So we have to do it. Oh yeah. Or um, the like LGBTQ, um, and like the just the the teen suicide rate of LGBTQ kids coming up to churches yeah. and what they've experienced because the Bible says this is like it like makes me want to cry. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you look at like what happened with our former president in this last cycle who had like peaceful protesters tear gassed in order to walk across the street to hold up a Bible in front of a boarded up church as like a justification for like- Or to bolster his- Essentially like- Right? He's holding up a book that is like a a critique of empire (laughs) to build his empire in the name of, of- like it's like the weirdest like the bible has been used in so many strange ways i mean there's a a story i just read recently um that there's this this group of white supremacists um who uh have picked up on this bible story um about this this guy named phineas in uh the old testament and there's actually a book by this white supremacist, uh, Richard Kelly Hoskins, called um, Vigilantes of Christendom, the story of the Phineas priesthood, um, which presents this like weird, terrible, sadistic idea um, that like comes from this Old Testament story um, about um, uh, uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 25 with like this divinely sanctioned violence in the name of ethnic purity that happens, where essentially Moses is saying that God's upset um, and they're suffering from this plague because the Israelites um, are marrying non-Israelites. And while Moses is, is making this statement, there's this priest named Phineas that sees an Israelite guy with a Midianite woman. So he leaves the congregation while Moses is ranting and he follows them to their tent and he stabs them both with a spear. And then, in, and that's in, the text they're using in, to justify well, in the story. In response to uh, a double murder, God lifts the plague against the Israelites, blesses Phineas, promises them an everlasting priesthood, and now this white supremacist says, "Therefore, we are 
the everlasting priesthood of Phineas carrying out similar acts of violent racial moral purification, calling forth a whole generation of like essentially Christian supposedly mm. um, uh, white Christian zealots sort of it's why I mean, it's like, yeah, okay. Oh, but, but on the flip side, on the flip side, well, and I need a moment after that. That's just, that was like a lot. I mean, oh, it's, it's, uh, when you yeah. think about like the Nazis, like, I mean, how many horrific things have been done? When, and some of that, yeah. I mean, some of the early Nazi movement was speeches in churches and leaning on even some of the like terrible writings of Martin Luther at the end before he died about his anti-Semitism. And you're just like, whoa. But, but on the flip side, my point in all of that. <laughs> It's also been incredible good for people reading the scripture. Yeah, but, it's like, but I but almost like, feel like we need to pause for a moment there and go like, can you blame people for wanting to just, you know, set the thing down for a moment? No. Well, it's especially if you're you a know? part of the group that's been. Right. And I just, I, I guess I just want to pause been, right there really quick and say, like, if that's you and that's where you're at, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and sorry, before we just move on. And again, we're going to get into this stuff in more detail, but I just, you know, can you blame people? Yeah. When it's, it's because it's been weaponized. It's been manipulated. It's been used as like an abuse power and it and, and not only by individuals or congregations it's used for exclusion and division it's uh by whole movements of people it's been hijacked by all kinds of other things and the bible's been sort of caught up in it even like look at like manifest destiny where the new israel is america and so we need to push across and and genocide the natives of the like it's like the whole thing yeah. is like yeah. it can be hijacked in all of those ways yeah. and tribalized and institutionalized and of course, you'd see all that and be like, well, that's a freaking dangerous thing. <laughs> like that, yeah. Let's squash that guy. Yeah. But on the flip side, hmm. it's also a source of incredible liberation mm, yeah. and transformation and life. It's a story of God actually coming, entering into history in humanity embodying like revealing god's true self saying that i'm actually none of those things that that's I'm, all how you hold it though i am i am you know? i'm none of that like it's, it's 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 like god was desperately through jesus saying um like trying to change humanity's mind about god's self and <laughs> saying like i'm a god of self-giving love for the healing of the world like willing to like lay down everything that I am and take everything on myself and then die with it. And then somehow in that great abundance, like rise out the other side and offer a new kind of life, a new way to experience like fullness and freedom and transformation. And it's like from death comes life. And like, like the, the entire movement of like so many things for the good of humanity are birthed out of the scripture. Um, so many incredible churches, so much movement towards ending slavery, ending racism, 
ending mistreatment and oppression of all kinds of peoples, like caring for the poor and the marginalized, um, like our, our medical system <laughs> that exists. Uh, like how many hospitals are, are the names of, of denominations and churches? Because it's, it's, we want to give ourselves for the healing of the world. Like the symbol on, on the side of elevators that is where uh, a gurney can fit in from an ambulance is the symbol from the Bible of Moses putting a snake on a stick and holding it up. And if you look at the snake, then you'll be healed. That, it's like a biblical symbol that was invented for um, ambulance drivers to know where to put their gurney that it'll fit in order to help people live and survive. Like, the, like, the, like those who would give themselves in the most beautiful, powerful, radical ways to see healing and transformation and new life and um, the healing of the world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like... And I would say, like, this is the stuff that we're taking... I mean, we're taking that more seriously than ever, you know? And we're taking, like, our faith and our understanding of Jesus more seriously than ever. Um, but I think it's worth, like spending some time just recognizing the ways that it's been misused and the ways that it's been abused. And I don't know, for me, like, I think there's this, like this deep well, you know, that we can draw from. Um, and there's this way of like, it's this invitation to like embody the beauty, all those things that you just said, you know, but instead a lot of times it's about right belief, you know? And so we have this invitation, like we could dig from this well and experience like this union with God, this like, you know, all the things that comes from, from the beauty, from the beautiful side, right? Like peace and joy and like all, all the things when you experience the divine, that connection with God, whatever you want to call it. Um, and what's interesting is it's like it flips the whole thing on its head because I think once you actually experience the thing in your own life and you experience the beauty that can come out of it, it's like it's it's not even really a conversation anymore about right belief, you know? Yeah, yes. Like it, it'd be like me trying to convince somebody um, about how great you are. Like I love you so much. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> but like it it's like i don't feel the need to go around convincing people and fighting about you and how much i love you do you know what i'm saying because i have this experience and so i think that's what i'm excited about talking about is like oh what there's good left in this thing. Like, what do we do with this thing? How do, instead of just throwing it out, like, what do we, well, how can we engage it in a way that is life-giving and liberating and freeing and helpful? I would, or I would say it differently personally. I wouldn't say there's good left in it. I'd say it's all beautiful and good. It, but it's, mm. it's how. Yeah, how you hold it. You understand it and how you read it and how you interpret it and how you hold it mm. and what it does. Because the reality is like how you read it shapes it in the world. It shapes you and it shapes the world. How you interpret it creates a world. Like someone interpreted that in a way to say, we need divinely sanctioned white supremacy. So therefore we'll go out and do it in the name of God. 
and you're just, whoa. Like, or someone said, oh my gosh, it says we should care for the orphans. So right. we're going to mobilize uh. a community of people to give all their resources to, like there's churches who've said, Beautiful. our vision is that in this city, there'll be no foster children because mm-hmm. we'll take them all. And you're like, yes. Amazing. Like there's like, yeah. the, like or we're going to, um, at, 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 at the church that we um, have led for so many years in the city um, that we stepped out of, the uh, Christine, the associate pastor, is like, we should do a fund to care for all the people um, in the city who are being left out right now like during the pandemic. And it was just like, yes. Like it, it shapes your imagination to do what you do in the world, like how you read it, how you hold it how you interpret it. And it's like, you don't just have to be stuck with the thing you were given. Hmm. You can actually grow in how you read it and how you see it and how you interpret it. And and I, I think that um, there's this moment right now where there's kind of this, this, possibility of awakening to that. Cause I think there's a lot of people that would say, um, I'm done with it. I'm going to throw mm-hmm. that out because mm-hmm. I've experienced it in such a bad way. Or there's people that are kind of doubling down going, no, this is the thing that we have to hold this. But I right. think there's this, this moment, um, and this possibility to, to see it differently and to hold it differently and, and to come to understand like maybe what it is in a fresh way. Um, maybe some fresh history and like, like lenses on how the things evolved and changed and grown and what it is and, and what it's calling us to and even how we can can hold it and um, like lean into it in a different way that it actually, because the idea is how, like not how do we shape our minds around having the right yes, belief system around say. it. Because um, then ultimately you'll land on something that you won't ultimately land on in the end but feel the need to defend that thing in order to defend God, like it's, it's, it's like missing it. The, the point of it is, is as we're all growing and evolving, like how do we understand and see and experience the scripture and the spirit and the movement of God in ways that actually transforms us and like catapults us to embody the thing and embody the life of God in the world now? Like how are we transformed to be like that thing? Not necessarily how do you get all of your thoughts lined up um, in the right order in terms mm. of a belief system. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. I feel like we're just getting going. <laughs> and we were a bit all over the place. But what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about um, history and what is the Bible? How has it progressed over time? The evolution of it. We're going to talk about things like authority that's a big word that's thrown around. And how do you read it? And how does that interpretation, how does your interpretation shape the world around you? Um, we're going to talk about observations that we're making. You want to jump in? Yeah, and even like the the freedom and the empowerment that, yeah. that the scripture says you have in being able to do all of those things yeah. um, to actually be set free. We're going to talk about how when you set the Bible free, it actually sets you free. Yeah. To actually engage the world and yourself in a 
a more profound way. Um, we're going to look at like even, we're going to make some observations about um, <laughs> some things that maybe could grow and do better or that uh, I personally am like really frustrated with. <laughs> mm. um, and then we're going to talk about moving forward. Like then what, you know, now what, now what do we do with this thing? So yeah, we would love for you to join us for the rest of the season. We'd love for you to join us at the workshops. We're excited to have conversations around this topic and love to hear from you too. If you have questions, yeah. since we're doing this week by week, we would love to address your questions. You can contact us through the website. There's yeah. a, a contact page there. Yeah, just You can just shoot an email through the website. And we would love to even include like your questions and address those things. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to check out our website, philandjenwood.com, to register for upcoming experiences and to see what else is going on. And if you enjoyed this, feel free to subscribe. You can even leave a review. Keep going. See you next time.